Hey, everybody. Before we get started, I've got a big favor to ask. Over the last couple of years, I've had many, many people asking to help out with our website design. As you guys all know, Chris Brinkley with SylviaConsultants.com at the beginning of Season 3 took over that task and has created a beautiful new website. But I spoke with Chris today, and he's having a hard time keeping up with all the posts and also transitioning the old website into the new one. And so what Chris has asked me to do is to ask all of you if any of you are very familiar with website design and specifically know how to work on the Wix platform to please send an email to theories at truthandjusticepod.com and in the subject line, put website. Now, I know lots and lots of you want to help, but we don't have time to train or teach anybody how to do this. So we specifically need people who already know how to design and create websites on the Wix platform and are also familiar with working with Google Drive. If that's you, and you'd like to volunteer to help to keep the website up to date, we'd love to have you join the team. So again, send those emails into theories at truthandjusticepod.com, and in the subject line, put website. That's it, and now it's on to your Friday follow-up. The only thing necessary for evil to prevail is that good men and women do nothing. I am simply a mouthpiece for good people from around the world who want to make a difference. The engagement and the involvement of ordinary people is what is going to change our criminal justice system. Many have tried and failed. The only difference between them and me is I'm bringing an army with me. This is Truth and Justice. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Truth and Justice. This is your Friday follow-up, and I'm your host, Bob Ruff. And I'm your co-host, Mike Bussing. As season three is coming to a close, Mike and I are finding ourselves kind of burning the candle at both ends lately. Oh, without a doubt. Like we said last week, we're still wrapping up Jesse's case. We're still investigating Jesse's case, even though it's still not on the podcast. We were in the middle of investigating our next case when we had a third case thrown at us. So currently, we're in the middle of investigating three cases at the same time. Yeah, I know. Since I started working here, this is definitely the biggest caseload we've had. Yeah, and on top of that, because we're starting these new cases, we've got a bunch of traveling to do. So, two days after you hear this, about the time you're listening to episode 328, the season finale, uh, Mike and I will be at a top-secret location in another part of the country working on the season 5 case while recording while on the road the season premiere of season 4 and the final Friday follow-up for season 3, all from a hotel room at an undisclosed location. So, we're telling you that to tell you this. Number one, this week's episode with Allison Clayton did not bring a whole lot of questions from listeners. Yeah, well, Allison pretty much spent the whole episode answering questions. Exactly. So we're going to address the few questions that were asked after this week's episode, maybe type a couple of loose ends, and that's pretty much going to be it for this week. So we'll probably have maybe 15 or 20 minutes by the time this is all over with. And like we said, part of the reason for that is because we've got a lot of recording to do before we leave, and we've got a ton of stuff going on with some of these other cases too. Right. So I think, why don't we go ahead and take a break here? We'll do our ad. We just have one ad today, and we'll come back with whatever questions you have, and then we'll go ahead and wrap things up. Hey, sounds good. 
So it's going to be a short ride for you guys today. Support for today's episode comes from Becky's favorite sponsor, Laytote. You guys all remember Laytote. They're the fashion subscription box where you can spend just $39 a month and have brand name clothing to wear every week. You don't have to go through all those awkward shopping experiences of ordering clothes online. And you finally get them and put them on, and they don't quite look on you like they looked on the model in the catalog. With a tote, you spend that $39 a month, and they'll send you a personalized box of brand name rental clothing and accessories right to your door. It's like a fashion pass where you just rent your look for one low monthly fee. And they tote are the style and fit experts. They are your fashion assistant, and they use data that you provide with everything from your dimensions, your sizes, the part of the country you live in, even the 10-day weather forecast, to style a custom tote just for you. Once you get your tote, you can wear your clothes for as long as you want to. When you're done wearing them, you just put them back into the provided package and send them back, and the tote's even going to pick up the bill for the shipping. And as soon as that package hits the post office, they're going to get right to work on stylizing your new tote. And if you don't like what they put together for you, you can go in and change it and customize it to get it just the way you want it. And a couple of days later, bam, you got another tote full of more clothing and accessories. You'll never be out of style with Lay Tote. And don't forget, they're perfect if you're expecting, because they have maternity totes. Throughout your pregnancy, your size is going to be forever changing for nine months. And now you don't have to buy maternity clothes that you'll never wear again. Becky is completely hooked on Lay Tote, and I'm loving it. We never spend more than $39 a month, and she always has new, nice, brand-name clothing to wear every weekend when we go out. So check out Laytote today at Laytote.com. That's Laytote, L-E-T-O-T-E.com, to get started for as low as $39 a month. Enter promo code TRUTH at checkout to get 50% off of your first month. Once you sign up, you'll receive your completely customized tote within days. Choose between one or unlimited totes a month. Just wear what you want and return everything in the mail when you're done, and it's that easy. Again, that's Laytote.com. Enter my code TRUTH at checkout and feel fabulous with fashion delivered right to your door. All right, Bob. Like I said, I just got a couple of things for you here. And the first one's from listener Daniel. Daniel says, do you have any news on Adnan Sayed and what is happening with the case or the appeal or retrial at the moment? Not that I'm aware of. The last I knew, we're still waiting on a ruling from the appeal hearing where the state had appealed Judge Welch's decision to vacate the conviction. And according to everyone that was at the hearing, and we did discuss this on the show after it happened, uh, it seems like that hearing went really well. And everyone seems to be very confident that Judge Welch's ruling will not be overturned. But right now, we're still in the same place we were several months ago, which is hurry up and wait. It's been, now that I think about it, that was like July. It's been just over a year. I think it was June 30th when the conviction was overturned. And so it's been 13 months and we're still waiting on appeals. But yeah, that's all I got right now. Sorry, Daniel. It just shows how how lengthy some of these processes can take. Yeah, it's kind of discouraging. I try not to let it discourage me, but you know, we're... You know, we've still got Edward Eights in this process. We've got Jesse Eldridge in the process. Uh, I think the the good news is, though, uh, as opposed to Adnan's case, with Adnan, you have a prosecutor who is fighting tooth and nail. Like, I even heard that Thiru Vignaraja, uh, who has left the AG's office, is going to come back, like, pro bono to keep fighting this thing. And I don't know if that's going to be, like, through the appeals or if there's a new trial. 
Um, he's just he's just a jerk. It's the nicest word I can come up for with him. <laughs> but in in Jesse's case, we have the conviction integrity unit that's involved. So the prosecutor is literally trying to do the same thing we're doing, which is find the truth. I mean, we we believe we know the truth, and we are fighting to get Jesse out. But they're trying to find out if this was a good conviction, and if not, they're going to try to get him out. So that process will be sped up in the fact that I wouldn't imagine that if Allison and Cynthia Garza, the conviction integrity unit, find the evidence to decide that the conviction should be thrown out, then the DA's office is not going to be appealing that ruling. Right. Uh, however, in Texas, it's a little different because that ruling still has to go up to the CCA, the Criminal Court of Appeals, for final approval. But I suspect if you have a defense attorney, a prosecutor, and a judge that all say the conviction should be thrown out, that should be no issue. Now, in Edward Eight's case, the situation, I think, is pretty close to similar. Uh, not, It's not quite in a conviction integrity unit, but to be honest with you, we, we've come a long way in that case from where we started to where now we have uh, Matt Bingham, the, the DA in Smith County, that has told Allison that they have no problem. They'll let her test anything she wants to. They said they will actually pay for the testing. And when I spoke with David Dobbs, the overall tone that I got is if the evidence is there that Edward Eights didn't commit this murder, which we all know that the evidence is there, I believe that we'll be in another situation where they will not be appealing a ruling. And I could even see, you know, I'm, I'm, my, my hopes and, and for me, my prayers in Smith County are that we will have an unopposed motion going before a judge at some point requesting for the conviction to be vacated for Edward Aids, meaning that it would be, and I, I probably don't have the terminology right, that Allison and Matt Bingham would go before a judge and say they both agree Edward is innocent and to set him free. Uh, that's what I'm hoping for. And I, and I really believe as nasty as things got with Smith County at the very beginning and as, as that process went along, I really believe that if we get, say, the, the fingernail clippings in Ed's case, uh, Elnora's fingernail clippings, I believe that if like those come back and there's someone else's DNA under their fingernail clippings, I have no doubt that Matt Bingham would walk into that courtroom and ask for his conviction to be thrown out. I really think that's going to happen. So that's the hope. Uh, I know it's not about Anon, Daniel, sorry, but uh, but like you said, Mike, it's it's kind of discouraging that it takes a long time. But remember, we have a very different situation, two different situations. We got the CIU on board in Jesse's case. And with Ed's case, we have a cooperative prosecution um, at the very least. Yes, with the prosecutions on our side in those instances, that should make things a lot easier to handle. Well, they're they're I wouldn't say they're necessarily on our side, but they're on the side of truth, I think. Okay. I think I believe that. So whereas, you know, I, I sat in that courtroom in Maryland in Baltimore and watched Theo Vignaraja fight the truth with both hands. You know, it was like it was right in the face and he's trying to spin evidence and twist things, uh, like with the cell phone evidence and all that to tr- when he knew damn well that he was wrong. He knew what the evidence said. Uh, where in our case, I think that we have um, uh, certainly in Dallas with the CIU, and I would even say in Smith County um, with Matt Bingham there, that there at least we have truth seekers in both of these cases, um, which is always a good thing. It makes it a far less adversarial relationship. Okay, and we have this last point here from Todd. Todd writes, what happened to the investigating of the Grove Rats? Seems like they were a prime suspect and leads, and then poof, we didn't hear anything more. I assume that nothing more could be said because of the proof, but that is just an assumption. All right, so this is a little bit tricky. So first of all, remember we said in the one episode that Grove Rats is a term that is used differently by different people. The one that Billy Ray Cobb we mentioned a couple weeks ago, 
It's Grove Rats or anyone that grew up in the Grove, in Pleasant Grove. Uh, but then there was this group we were talking about that were like white supremacists, uh, racists, just awful humans, meth-dealing Grove Rats that had been featured on you know forensic files and all that other stuff. And there was a group that we were looking into that seemed to be tied to a white Z-28 Camaro, and they were from Pleasant Grove, and they were all around the neighborhood about that time in 1991. So the reason you haven't heard anything more is because there's really not much we can share right now. I mean, there's the investigation, I will tell you, is still leaning that direction. There are some things happening behind the scenes, but I, I really, I hate because I feel like it, that people are thinking like we're being coy, you know, the word, yeah, right. just not, but that's not what it is at all. It's just, there's just, we just can't say some of these things. You know, I, I can't be putting people's names out with the current situation. I can't even be revealing things that we know at this point. Because we may, this may end with us, you know, catching the real perpetrator and, and, and having law enforcement bring them to justice. And so I don't want to do what has happened on some other shows and things where you start, you know, you, you put all the information out there and then everyone has all the information. And then if there's like an interrogation or an interview by law enforcement, they can say, oh, well, I learned that from the podcast. I'm not going to do that. And so that was part of the Grove Rats investigation is part of the reason why we pulled the plug on season three. There was the fact that, you know, there was just legally Allison couldn't share a whole lot with us right now because of her involvement with the CIU. And for us, there was a lot of new information out there, but not necessarily enough to, you know, create. We're not going to make an episode for the sake of making an episode. There just wasn't all that much information out there to put together full episodes anymore that we could talk about. Then the other thing was the investigation is going in a direction where we can't talk about it again. So right. that's it's like three strikes, then we need to just cut things off as far as what's being said on the podcast. I will say that this has been a very successful investigation. Uh, we have a lot of leads, and we'll talk this about a little bit more about this on Sunday, but this is not over by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, we have some boots on the ground that are working diligently on this case and will continue to be working diligently. And we hope at some point to be able to come back to Jesse's case or Keow's case. It should say Keow's case and tell you that we've we found out who actually committed this murder. Lastly, a question I had. I knew there was some new information that kind of covered up some loose ends, but it didn't really fit into an episode. Can you share some of that? Yeah, there was a few things that we found that were interesting. But but like you said, we couldn't really fit them in. You know, we're doing an episode about Kenneth Ray Williams. And I find some information in the Dallas PD open records request that about two weeks after the murder, this would be on August 8th of 91, Detective Royster asked the police chief at the city of Almost Park, that's O-L-M-O-S, police department, to fax him over a composite sketch from a crime that occurred, presumably, in the city of Almost. And so we have this composite sketch. It's an African-American man. He's wearing a ball cap. A kind of a chubby face and a full head of hair, and it's dated 8691, and that's all we have on it. We don't have any further information, and that's something that we're still looking into, but that's one of those things that was interesting, like that for some reason, this person, Royster, thought could be a suspect. It's definitely not Jesse Eldridge. It also doesn't look like Kenneth Ray Williams. We're not sure who this could be, uh, but so that's one of the things that's interesting, and it's a loose end that we're working on, but didn't fit into an episode. Also, we found some information about Lou, whose real name is Glenda. Jesse's ex-girlfriend, right? Exactly. So she was playing a big role uh, after Jesse was arrested 
and trying to help him with his defense attorneys and help gather information. And there are some notes where she looks like she was being interviewed by, I believe, the prosecutor. And in those notes, there's a few things that are interesting that could even potentially be Brady, but it's it's kind of taken a leap. Uh, and it may be something that Allison's handling. I'm not sure. We've talked about it briefly. But she was saying she had information that a couple of other suspects may have been involved in the crime. And I don't want to name these people because they haven't previously been named. And I don't see any evidence that she was right. Uh, but just interesting that this inter- interview took place and she was naming other suspects and seemed to have information. And as far as we know, none of that was brought up at trial by the defense. And Glenda was never called. So maybe Brady, maybe ineffective assistance of counsel, maybe nothing. I don't really know. But that was interesting. But also in those notes, she kept mentioning a Joe Lewis that was forcing her to do things. And there was also letters that Glenda and Jesse were writing back and forth to each other in this open records request with Dallas PD, interestingly enough, not with the DA's office, where she kept mentioning this Joe Lewis that was making her do things to do something for Jesse. Well, eventually I got Jesse on the phone and asked him who Joe Lewis was. And as it turns out, Joe Lewis was an investigator with the, the either the prison or with the county jail in Dallas. So at some point, Jesse had got charges thrown on him for, like, assaulting an officer or something. Something that didn't happen. And, of course, Jesse was fighting that. And this is the guy that comes in and does the investigation. Well, evidently, when Jesse got locked up for this crime, he went to Glenda, or Lou, and told her that she needed to perform sexual favors on this man in order to, quote, keep Jesse safe in jail. And so for the entire year or so that Jesse was in jail, he was forcing Glenda to do these things. And Glenda had reported that to the prosecutors and the police. And as it turns out, according to Jesse, eventually they set up a sting with this guy in a hotel with Glenda and caught him in the act. And the guy, I know for sure that he he lost his job. And I believe charges may have been filed, too. So that's another thing. It's a, it's a loose end. We've been trying to figure out how to get it into an episode, uh, but it just didn't fit with where we were at. Uh, but interesting. Um, other than that, I don't think there's anything else really that we can talk about. Um, I will tell you that uh, we've been pursuing uh, some of the leads we've talked about on here, and they seem to be opening up more doors, but then every time a door opens, another one slams in our face. Uh, but uh, you know, when there's smoke, there's fire sometimes, so we're, we're going to keep going in that direction, and hopefully we'll have an update sooner or later. But as of right now, I think that's all we have. And Mike, we have to record another episode yet tonight. <laughs> Yeah, we're definitely doubling down tonight, aren't we, Bob? Yeah, I think it's definitely a good time to wrap this thing up. So thank you all for all of your engagement and support in this entire season. I really, really think you're going to enjoy the season finale that's dropping in two days on Sunday. Uh, we get to hear from Patricia and Jesse, and this was at their request. Our season was going to end last week. Originally, that was what we had on the docket. Uh, but both Jesse and Patricia... Uh, separately had asked if they could have some time to speak directly to all of you and share their appreciation for everything that you've done. And it's it's really touching, uh, and we're still working on getting that thing put together uh, while working on also what's going to happen next week, which is our season premiere uh, of the George Powell case. It will be a six-episode series plus the, the follow-ups with that. And like I said, when you guys are listening to episode 328, the season finale... Mike and I will be in another state, in another place, on another case uh, at the same time. So uh, it's been an awesome, awesome ride so far on season three. Thank you all for what you've been doing and all of your support. I think that's going to do it for this week's Friday follow-up. 
So we will see you guys next week. Truth and Justice is a production of NBI Studios. Michael Bussing is our executive producer. All music for the show was created by PutThemInASong.com. I want to thank Tate Krupa for designing and creating our logo. Thank you to Chris Brinkley of SylviaConsultants.com for creating, managing, and maintaining our website. And thank you to our transcription team, Sarah Mueller, Britta Bliss, Stephanie McConnell, and our newest transcriptionist, Anna Dindorf. And also thank you to Desiree Dunn for printing all the transcripts and mailing them off every week. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. We really appreciate all of your participation in Season 3, and we're looking forward to all of your help in Season 4 and soon-to-come Season 5. You can send us in your thoughts, theories, and ideas to theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or follow us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. But as for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. And I'm Mike Bussing. And this has been Truth and Justice. I'm your co What are you fucking laughing about? You just, you got a creepy look in your eye, dude. I'm so mad all right, right now. Okay, all right. Not at you, though. It's all right. Uh, okay. Uh, Don't think of lines, just speak to me, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we've had it worse in the past, but man, three cases? That's no, the worst it's ever been. <laughs> I'll just keep going. Just let me say something. I'll just keep going. So, so a short ride for you guys today, you know? And our promo code truth at checkout. I have to have your clicking when I'm recording. Daniel said, <laughs> I'm in such a bad mood. I'm sorry. Come I'm on. terrified of you right now. I know. I know. I'm never in a bad mood. I'm, you're always the one in the bad I'm mood. I'm so scared of you. I know. I'm okay. Your eyes are beat red. I know. They you get... look like that guy. What? I was pointing at them. You know. You pointed at the computer. The audience, man. That's the computer. That's the portal to the audience. Right. I thought this was. The microphone, you know. Mind blown. Right?